Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast. My name is James Evely and I'm the editor of In Publishing. My guest this time is Jim Bilton of Wessenden Marketing, who joins me today to discuss the results of the Media Shapers 2023 survey. The survey asked In Publishing readers the following question. Which individual do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the shape of the overall media business in 2023, for good or ill, and why? Jim tells me why the focus on individuals matters. That it's people who still make things happen in the media business. It's it's people who've got the the vision and the ideas. It's people who cut the deals. Uh, It's people who set the robots off, even though the robots may uh, lose control and, uh, and run away from their creators. About why everyone is watching Elon Musk so closely. Uh, what he does with Twitter uh, is very important and very significant indeed. And he could uh, drive the whole aircraft into the runway if he's not careful, which I think is actually the hope of some of the, the, the media insiders in the survey. And he digs into some of the implications of the recent acceleration in artificial intelligence capabilities. Content is clearly where everyone is focused at the moment. Uh, Firstly, as publishers, do we use this technology to do some of the heavy lifting of creating our own content? And I think the answer is yes, Uh, but only the the heavy lifting, the real analysis is, is still a very human activity. Amongst many other things. Before we hear more from Jim, a quick word about our valued sponsors. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Air Business, a market leader in distribution and subscription management services for the publishing industry. Its end-to-end service includes subscriber acquisition and marketing strategy, worldwide distribution, digital mail and e-commerce fulfillment, and warehouse and freight logistics. For more information, visit airbusiness.com. Jim Bilton, welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Thank you for having me, James. Now, Jim, the purpose of today's chat is to talk about the Media Shapers poll, which which we ran together and which you've just published an excellent piece um, on our website. So um, it's there to be read. But before we get into the nitty gritty of it and delve delve deeper into the findings, can you tell us what the purpose of the the Media Shapers poll was? What, What were you trying to achieve? The idea was to give a a sense of the bigger picture as to what's going on in the media business at the moment. We've got our detailed benchmarking survey, Media Futures, which is very focused on how to run a company, a media company. Uh, Media Shapers stands back from it a bit, and it's based on the belief that it's people who still make things happen in the media business. It's people who've got the the vision and the ideas. It's people who cut the deals. Uh, It's people who set the robots off, even though the robots may uh, lose control and and run away from their creators. But uh, it's, it's also trying to define what makes the media... Uh, at the moment, what is its role, uh, who should own it, who's shaping it, uh, and the idea of getting people inside the media business, so through your august organ, to poll media insiders' views, because there are lots of people outside the business, from Harry and Meghan through to politicians, who look in on us 
and have got views about us. But I think it's quite interesting to flip that and to for us as insiders, knowing the industry inside out as to what we think is actually going on. Now, Jimmy, in your preamble, in the article you just published, you refer to the media business facing unprecedented challenges. Um, you know, before we, we talk about, you know, who are the media shapers, can you just give us a, a, a bit of an insight into what you think those unprecedented challenges are? Yeah, I, I think the the stuff that we share with every single business in this country at the moment, uh, rising operating costs, the new workplace, uh, drops in uh, consumer spending, we've got some very specific overlays like a uh, print and the cost of print, which has come at us in the last couple of years at a complete uh, angle. So that there's general business stuff, but I think the media is at the cutting edge of everything. But there's also uh, some very specific stuff that we've got. Um, AI, our shift away from the platforms, the intense competition that we've got, and prioritizing our opportunities. And I think the exciting thing is that we've got lots of opportunities, but we've got uh, too many things to do at the same time. So I think we've got a number of unique challenges, but but speed is the the real issue for everybody at the moment. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll come back to some of those issues as we continue. But um, the poll found there to be two big media shapers this time round. Um, can you, can you tell us who they were and, you know, why did people select them? Uh, Elon Musk, uh, because he's vile. Uh, and, um, <laughs> is Sam that your I, own view, Jim? Or well, other people's view? well, no, that, that, that is slightly my own view. The, the actual quote from one of the respondents in the survey is a loathsome human with no concern for truth as we understand it. We'll come back to to that in a minute. But it's Elon Musk, and the other one is Sam Altman, the founder and CEO of OpenAI, so the guy behind uh, ChatGPT. So they were the two who who came out top. Uh, And and why particularly do you think they were selected? I mean, obviously, Elon Musk is a huge, huge profile. Sam Altman, probably a lesser profile, but maybe maybe more significant long term. But yeah. why do you think they, they, they came out on top? The, because of the influence that they're having. Uh, Elon Musk is clearly very high profile. Uh, we did a previous survey back in 2021 when uh, he didn't feature at all. Um, and he was just an eccentric user of Twitter. Now he actually owns it. He's doing some very scary things with it, both in terms of content, where is he going to take this platform, but also uh, the business model that sits behind it is intriguing also. And Twitter, clearly in our business, has an exaggerated influence uh, out of all, all kilter with the the actual footprint that it's actually got it can't compete in the mainstream social platform area but because politicians and media insiders use it uh, what he does with twitter uh, is very important and very significant indeed and he could uh, drive the whole aircraft into the runway if he's not careful which i think is actually the hope of some of the the, the media insiders in the survey even though, as you say, it's very much a, a tool which media insiders you, use a lot. 
It is, uh, but I think there is the sense, and when we come on to talking about chatbots and chat uh, GPT and, and AI, there is this sense that our business is at a pivot point. That there's so much background noise going on um, that we have to, as an industry, assert the value of our brands and that what we have is curated carefully constructed, carefully researched information, whatever the vertical is, and whether that vertical is consumer, whether it's B2B, but the the value of uh, curation uh, over an uncurated platform like Twitter. So in fact, in fact, you allude to one of the respondents there, I think, when they said the inevitable demise of Twitter should help to reinforce strong, reliable, curated news brands. Presumably, it sounds like you, you agree with that sentiment? Absolutely. And and also there's another quote, uh, that whether Musk succeeds or fails, the future of Twitter will influence the direction of media for years to come. So not only is it significant uh, in its own specific right, but uh, the direction of travel of where the major platforms are going will be influenced a bit by, by whatever Musk does with it. Now, Sam Altman, obviously ChatGPT, the rise of AI. Um, I think one of the respondents said the world of publishing will never be the same again. Um, in general, what, what were the respondents' views in, in terms of the pluses and minuses of AI? Yeah, I mean, going to, and we both were at the PPA conference yesterday the, the the festival there was a lovely quote there of somebody who said don't panic ai is either going to save the world or destroy it uh, <laughs> and i think that there is that that sense that there are there are lots of pros and cons to where this is all going to end up i mean clearly this is an industry we've been using this kind of technology for several years in areas like crm and so on but it's just taken it mainstream um, and I think that probably there are two dimensions to all this. One is content. The other is non-content. And I think what we pick up in Media Futures, the, the, the benchmarking survey, is more about the new area of non-content applications of automation. But let, let me just explain a, a, a bit more what I, what I mean. Um, Content is clearly where everyone is focused at the moment. Uh, firstly, as publishers, do we use this technology to do the, some of the heavy lifting of creating our own content? And I think the answer is yes, uh, but only the, the the heavy lifting, the real analysis is is still a very human activity. The uh, the second aspect is that we have to protect our own content from the scrapers, from the robots and the AI scrapers actually getting some of our material and pulling it into its own machine. But I think there is the bigger threat is that it's competition uh, in terms of the end user, whether they're a consumer or they're in a B2B environment of taking up their time, of them using this kind of technology to pull the kind of uh, data in that we as uh, platforms and as, as, as media publishers uh, create in our own right. So it's, it's, it's a real mix of opportunity and threat on, on the content side. 
on the content side, Jim, I, mean, I know this probably wasn't t- touched on in, in the poll, but do, do, you, do you see any sense of publishers, you know, strategies emerging as do you know to, how to combat that threat in terms of competition based on AI, AI generated content? I think, uh, well, two aspects to it. One is to um, to be using it in order to uh, improve the, the the core information, but ultimately, its analysis. It's it's adding that that human element, that human color and life to the the content that is actually there there was an interesting discussion actually yesterday at ppa about um having no confidence in government intervention uh in, in terms of controlling the copyright the intellectual property the the applications of ai uh, and the feeling that it is down to our industry to do two things. One is to reduce our dependence on the major platforms anyway, which is um, emerging from first-party data, the the sunsetting of the cookie, whenever that's eventually going to happen, and so on, but also to engage with the AI developers ourselves rather than waiting for government to do it or to to try and and control it. But I think there was that sense that came through yesterday of this being a pivotal moment where we've got to engage as individual companies, but also as an industry. And how precisely we, we do that is, is, is difficult to see, I think. Interesting. Probably sorted out in the courts eventually, I'm guessing. Well, yes, although that, that takes such a long time uh, to, to grind through. Uh, but in the meantime, the technology could put lots of uh, media companies out of out of business. Now, in the poll, the long-standing rivalry between Google and Microsoft got some attention. Um, can you summarise what they were saying about the, those two players? Yes, the, currently those two are the two who seem to be leading the AI drive. Um, Google with Bard and obviously Microsoft having bought into open AI. Uh, one of the uh, respondents said this all feels like King Kong versus Godzilla. We're just the potential collateral damage in a battle we can't influence. So, That's quite depressing. Well, <laughs> it is, well, well, it comes back to that quote about, you know, don't panic. It's either going to kill us or um, save us. Okay. Now, I, and looking back at the twenty-one poll, my, tw- sorry, twenty twenty-one poll, um, which is the last time we, we ran something similar. What, what were the main differences between what you found this time and two years ago? Um, in summary, uh, some of the names have have dropped out. For example, so um, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos. Uh, were in and topped the poll in 2021. Uh, I think they will come back into the poll again. Um, but it it is the it's it's Musk and the AI people um, who are there. So it, in summary, I, I think there are a number of points. The traditional media moguls, the big names, are receding. Individual influencers are growing. 
the political uh, context and legislation and regulatory is becoming more important. What is interesting is the absence of, of any high-profile media executives within the business. Uh, last time around, it was Zilla Bing Thorne, it was Catherine Viner at The Guardian, Carolyn McCall at ITV. Um, there aren't any big media industry names this time around. So I think that's uh, another key aspect of, of the differences uh, over the last couple of years. And uh, one person who did make it into both polls is Rupert Murdoch. Um, yes. He, I mean, <laughs> he always invites um, positive and negative um, thoughts. This time seems to be a bit more negative than last time. Um, what were people saying about Murdoch? Well, see, last time, the, the positives, and int- interestingly, last time we picked up some people who had worked for uh, Murdoch who appreciated his real understanding of media, of the value of paid-for journalism. So I think in 2021, the supporters of Murdoch were saying, well, this is the only guy who can stand up to the platforms and who understands that quality journalism, quality content costs and has the, the power and the leverage to try and cut some deals. This time around, uh, well, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, the the new uh, series, the new season of Succession is on, which is, again, stranger, stranger than fiction, or the truth is stranger than fiction. Marriage number five is there in the background. Um, and, of course, there's the whole Fox News um, Dominion defamation lawsuit, which has just been settled, uh, of the, the, the total disregard for facts and truth. So the, the the whole Murdoch way of working is is very negative this time around. I mean, the, the Fox News um, angle seems to be the, the main driver of the negative comment by the sound of things. Yes, yes. But I think also this this interesting, you know, how long can, can this guy keep on living uh, and keep on marrying? Uh, <laughs> Was he 93, I think? Yeah, right? well, yes, uh, yeah. Well, I'm about to say good fit. Well, hopefully I'll be going strong at 93. Who knows? But uh, we're not on marriage number five, I hear some Indeed. Um, <laughs> actually, while, while we're talking about traditional media moguls, I mean, it, it, in a sense, Elon Musk is, is, is a, a media mogul um, that he has bought Twitter for the access and power that it gives. He's, he's a new generation media mogul, whereas Murdoch is, is the old generation. But uh, Lord Rothermere was a name who came up a couple of times. And here's, here's an interesting quote about uh, Rothermere leads the new UK newspaper industry by a distance and is also building a lifestyle subscription-driven portfolio. By contrast, News UK is overstretched, Murdoch is distracted, the Telegraph does no central management and is racked by family feuding, and Reach has a stable of dying horses. Gosh, harsh. Yeah, pretty yeah. harsh indeed. But it's <laughs> interesting that, that uh, Lord Rothermere is putting together under Harmsworth Media a very interesting uh, new generation uh, media company. But a lower profile than, you know, the likes of Murdoch. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, the, the, the war in Ukraine um, got a look in with both Russian and Ukrainian leaders nominated by many. Obviously, um, 
two very different people coming from very different angles. But could you maybe compare and contrast the two? I mean, they, they both got lots of mentions in the poll. Um, for, yes. Why do you think that is? Yeah, they, they, they did. I think both share a common understanding of the power of the media. Uh, they use it for different ends and are coming from very different angles uh, to it. But uh, Zelensky is as uh, is a very clever uh, and as uh, adept user of the media. I mean, Putin's a, a bit ponderous, but understands that media is 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 very important in in the battles in the modern cyber battles that are that are taking place but they both understand that media is very useful for their own ends although their ends are very different uh, i suppose in some ways zelensky is is very being very much the front the front man the leader of you know the ukraine ukraine so huge media profile Putin less so, but I suppose a lot of his efforts go into media manipulation, the troll factories and the like. Yeah, exactly. Here's another lovely quote. Uh, Zelensky is a, an heroic leader who has emerged against the backdrop of a lying cheat, Boris, a lying <laughs> clown, Trump, and a lying psychopath, Putin. Wow. Well, that summed it up perfectly, I suppose. Yes. I mean, while we're talking about politics, the um, the other manifestation of this whole sort of political dimension is of uh, regulatory intervention in the media business. And that's why um, Lucy Fraser, the culture secretary, uh, came up as being a significant character because of the government's interest in the overall general environment, so online safety bill as an example, but also media ownership. And I think media ownership, which comes back to media shapers, that who owns the media outlets and the platforms is critically important. So things like privatising Channel 4, um, merger and acquisition constraints, BBC funding, you know, all this is coming uh, under... The, a government who is fairly, and I think most politicians are fairly, in free democracies anyway, are fairly suspicious or have a love-hate relationship with the, the media business. Uh, but that political dimension came through very strongly in this year's survey. Yes, because, I mean, Lucy Fraser's only been in the job since February, but uh, anybody heading up that department has a lot on their plate at the moment, by the sound of things. Absolutely. And she's reckoned to be a better operator than Nadine Doris, uh, who was described okay. as, a, as a nut job in the survey. Okay. Um, now, the Media Shapers polling, yeah. Jim, as you know, came at the same time as the, the Gary Lineker BBC government you know, standoff. Do, do you think his inclusion in the survey was um, a blip or do you think it points to a wider trend? I, I think that there are a number of things going on. First of all, there is the general growth of influences uh, overall uh, and also at the same time of influences becoming more political. So sports personalities like Marcus Rashford, for example, um, Gary Lineker is another example of becoming more political um, and dealing with more social issues like gender and sexuality. So the influences themselves are becoming, they may come and go, but there are some big names and a lot of them in sports and general entertainment who are using their influence in slightly different ways than in the past. 
Um, but I think it also raises very specifically uh, a lot about the BBC, about uh, where they are going in their own content creation and their policies, uh, and also what their business models actually are, which is still very much up in the air and ready to be influenced by by government. And in terms of you know Gary Lineker and Marcus Rashford and the other the many other influencers with huge reach via the social platforms, are there any lessons for traditional media in in their in their use of media, in the use of their platforms, and in their high profiles? Is there anything we, we could learn from them? Well, again, they are uh, friends, or they may be journalists. I mean, journalists who have become influencers uh, in in uh, the. BBC Gardening, for example, um, Monty Don. Now, is is he an influencer? Is he a journalist? Jeremy Clarkson, who who thankfully doesn't come up at all in this year's survey, but Jeremy Clarkson, a journalist influencer. um, It's it's a a symbiotic relationship that publishers uh, and publisher brands um, have with these individual characters, and sometimes they they outgrow the brand uh, that they are meant to be representing. Uh, and, and back to the BBC, that they've obviously been referred to in passing, maybe in the survey, but obviously there's a love hate relationship from the media regarding the BBC as well, because obviously they have huge reach and they're, they're a huge publicly funded competitor. Do you have any feelings about which way you know BBC funding will go in the future? Well, it looks like it's got to go down some kind of subscription model. Um, They've had revenue ripped out of them by uh, the subsidy for um, pensioners and and the older users. But the the business model, but it isn't just just the business model that they... Uh, There was a recent, Clive Myrie um, recently gave a speech where he expressed his concerns about many younger BBC journalists who want to be commentators. They they want to express their views on topics when they're presenting the news, uh, which he said is not what I trained to be. And there are all kinds of ethical uh, issues that are at play there. So BBC is this great uh, melting pot for a lot of the the issues. But uh, I think yeah, most independent uh, media companies would say it, they have an unfair advantage uh, because they are not truly commercial. Now, how do you find the how do sorry how do the findings of the Media Shapers poll, which we've also been talking about, how do they dovetail with your ongoing media feet? Media Futures Research Project? Uh, I think what links them is this sense of, of fragmentation, that I think uh, Media Futures, so the benchmarking survey, maps an industry which is fragmenting in terms of business models, which are different almost brand by brand, certainly vertical by vertical, depending on who the audience is with more diversified revenue streams and activities, uh, and also with a, a very wide range of performance. There is a big difference between B2B and consumer that comes through media futures. There's a big difference in terms of company size, and a lot of the activity is not coming from the larger 
companies, but from the smaller companies, the SMEs, one scale down, where you've got mixed ownership um, and the the difference between a, a PLC and a private equity funded company and a family run business uh, is very important I- indeed. So this, this sense of fragmentation of there being no single formula also of breathless speed. But I think in a sense, Media Futures is more positive uh, because it is focused on the day-to-day business activities of what publishers are doing. And I think the real sense of Media Futures is that uh, a lot of the companies are emerging from 2021, 2022 with much clearer, perhaps fewer priorities, but much clearer priorities. They've gone through a lot of the organizational pain. They're emerging smaller, leaner, more efficient, whereas the bigger picture still looks a bit more scary and uncertain and the sense of of spinning out of control with no one at the helm of the industry uh, and there being no big uh, media insider, uh, media executives who are running and controlling the the industry? It's 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 a bit of a whirlpool at the moment. Now, Jim, you referred there to some of the differences between B two B and B two C consumer media. How would you summarise the the different trajectory of the two the two sectors? Well, B two B has always been reckoned to be several years ahead of of consumer. Uh, partly because their business model was blown apart. And one of the big step changes was of classified ads going online that they had to face, B2B had to face an existential threat several years ago and have had time to invest, to rejig their whole businesses, to invest in technology, to flip things around, to use workflow tools, um, uh, to uh, have a two-way conversation with their audience, whereas the consumer model is still uh, very push-orientated. And uh, the major companies haven't made the big investments in tech. Tech and people skills are two of the uh, the big uh, Achilles heels. If you can, or if you can have two Achilles heels, I suppose you can. Really. <laughs> I suppose you can. Or two spots. There's, no, a, there's a question. There, there's a question. Yeah, on, answers on on a postcard, please. Um, of uh, of any company at, at at the moment, tech stacks and people attracting the right kind of people with the right skills and retaining them. Uh, and again, B two B is further advanced down this route than than consumer. So, in all the key metrics, um, consumer lags way behind B two B in terms of uh, turnover growth, profitability. They're they're pretty similar in terms of the margins that they're they're making, but turnover growth um, and productivity ratios, which is another area we're, we're digging into in this year's media futures, uh, is how much revenue can you squeeze out of the headcount, which has a positive and, and a negative aspect to it as, as well. 
And if consumer media, you know, if there are a couple of things they could do to to hate, you know, to to catch up with B two B, so to speak, what what would you recommend they do? Well, it is uh, observing what B two B companies actually do. Uh, there is actually a blurring of the division, the old division between uh, a business and a consumer operation. And I think particularly with things like uh, e-commerce and marketplaces, that that is a a new B2B element that is being introduced into the consumer publishing side of things. So there is a lot that consumer can learn from from B2B and and vice versa as, as well of of b2b taking some rather tired looking products uh, and adding a, a bit of um, consumer zip and panache to what they're actually doing so blurring between uh, in terms of activities uh, is very much a feature of this year's media futures blurring between consumer and b2b Okay, Jim, back to media shapers for a couple of questions. Yeah. Um, who is your choice? Um, for, ah. We've heard about what everybody else thinks, but who was your choice for media shaper and why? I came down to Musk. I wobbled between Musk and the uh, the people behind AI, so Altman, Pichai, Nadetta, so, so the Google and, uh, and Microsoft people. Um, but I think Musk, just because he's fun, isn't he? He adds a bit of colour. He is a media mogul, so I, I rather like media moguls. Um, although he doesn't know what he's doing, really. <laughs> uh, Do you think he's learning? Uh, yes, um, but I'm not quite sure what his aims actually are. Well, I suppose his ultimate aim is is to get to Mars, isn't it? And and to to use everything to fund his his uh, his rocket his spacex endeavors but it um, also seems he's to a certain extent an accidental media mogul because uh, he seems to have bought tw- um twitter against his will he put put the bid yes. in and then immediately changed his mind but had gone too far down the road by the same yes things. yeah he's he's one of those people that you would hate to work for uh, but it's quite fun looking in from the outside and seeing what what he's doing because you don't know what he's going to do next no, well, well, fewer. I mean, Twitter. I mean, I don't know about a third of them. Two thirds have left the company. Yes. I think it's uh, yeah. been slimmed down hugely. Yeah. And, and crystal ball time, Jim. If you're if you're projecting a year off or to the next time you do the poll, which of this year's media shapers do you would you expect to feature in the next one? Cool, Murdoch. I mean, Murdoch is is <laughs> is, 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 is eternal, isn't he? So he's he's always good. he's always up to something. He's always going to be doing something and so i think he will feature and i think um zuckerberg and bezos who were in the 2021 uh, media shapers poll and dropped off you know they're still there they're still massively influential and i think they will be back on the map uh, next time around jim fascinating insights as always um, no, thank you. And, uh, nice I, to have a chat. <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Jim Bilton, for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast. Okay. Thanks for having me, James. A final word from our valued podcast sponsor. Air Business is trusted by 4,000 publications and 3 million happy subscribers, with 10 million customer records on file. It processes £500 million each year in 22 currencies 
and delivers over 300 million items. Find out more at airbusiness.com. Many thanks to Jim for being our guest and for his fascinating insights into the media industry and those shaping it. Thanks too to everyone who took part in the survey. My own choice for Media Shaper was Sam Altman, because I think the rise of generative AI will have a most profound impact on the publishing sector. You can read Jim's excellent summary of the Media Shaper's 2023 survey on our website. Just go to inpublishing.co.uk and search for Jim Bilton. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks' time for another podcast. Bye for now.